Our Bible reading today is going to come from Daniel chapter 3. Daniel 3, if you're following along in your uh, Pew Bibles, that would be page 1374. And we're opening up these ancient words, which many in our culture today would say they're old, they're stale, they're out of date. They have no place for us today. But we know that they are words of life, that they are God's revelation to us. And in him, they are alive and active. And so we turn to God's word today, just asking God uh, to continue to move us and shape us through his word. Daniel chapter 3. This is when God's people were taken captive, uh, taken out of Jerusalem. They are now in Babylon. And it says here that at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. Get what's happening here? As soon as uh, throughout the day, that when the, when the praise band hits the scene and the music comes out, everyone must stop what they're doing and bow down to a statue of gold of Nebuchadnezzar. And your decree says that whoever does not fall down in worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve you, serve your gods, nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And we know that that image of gold was about 90 feet tall. So if you can imagine, this is about 24 feet behind me. Go up three times that, and you have the size of this statue that Nebuchadnezzar made of himself. And so when the music plays, everybody bows down and worships me. Furious with rage, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went do this, Nebuchadnezzar summoned them. And so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Mic drop. We're out of here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, as we continue to make our way through this series on dealing uh, with doubt, the doubt that we're running into today is the, the same, I would say, the same situation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves in. They, they have been transplanted, and there they are living in a culture, in a culture that is moving away from God that's moving away from God's purposes and challenging them to act and respond and behave in different ways. 
Now, we haven't been transplanted into another culture, but our culture is uh, moving. And I would argue that it is moving away from the purposes and the characters of God. And I find that many of us, as we try to stand on these ancient words, as we try to stand in the truth that we believe, we get these questions and we get these doubts because we see the culture moving in a direction while we're still standing. And we're wondering, should I be standing here or should I be catching up with them? After all, they shout back at us, you're on the wrong side of history. And not only that, sometimes they even shout back at us, you're on the wrong, not only on history, you're on the wrong side of the present. And we're like, well, am I? Well, yes, maybe God's word is old. Maybe I, it isn't true. Maybe things have moved on. Maybe I should go with the culture. And we find ourselves stuck in that situation, doubting whether or not we should stay true to these ancient words and to this faith that God has planted in us. And I think we can see an example this morning is why I read this from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they stood firm, didn't they? They stood firm in their faith, even with the threat of a fiery furnace. They said, we're not budging, we're going to stand. We're going to stand. And what they live out is exactly what our theme verse has been in Ephesians 6, 16, where we have been talking about the shield of faith. And we've been reading in Ephesians 6, 16, that when we take up the shield of faith, which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego certainly did, you can defend and extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one as Satan fires these arrows away, causing you to doubt. Catch up with the culture. Don't be left behind. Be a little more modern in your thinking. Be a little more progressive. Don't be so, uh, don't be so you know, just stressed and tied up on what you believe. It's time, to, it's time to loosen some things up. As the enemy just fires these arrows at us, we see that if we can take up this shield of faith, the scripture tells us, you can extinguish the darts of the enemy. And as our culture is moving on, as it's moving around us, and maybe we're beginning to thinking, where, how should I respond? I just want to encourage us this morning to take up that shield of faith, to take up that shield of faith and stand firm and extinguish those darts of the enemy who's firing these doubts at us so that we can root and anchor our life in these ancient and truthful and life-giving words of God. I think we do that. We raise that shield of faith when we're dealing with the, the way that the culture is moving on around us by remembering two key things. I think the first thing that we need to remember is whose kingdom we are a part of now. Whose kingdom we are a part of now, in 1893, there was an event called the Oklahoma Land Grab, and they named it for exactly what it, what, it, what it was. The Oklahoma territories became open to settlers. These were previously grazing lands that belonged to the Cherokee Indians, and there we have a whole other conversation and maybe a whole other sermon we're not going to do this morning, but they opened up all these lands that were out there in Oklahoma, and so the settlers came. There was 100,000 of them that showed up on this day. They lined up across, and they blew a horn, and everybody took off running to grab some land, the Oklahoma gra land grab. And as you headed out, 
and you would, you would go maybe miles and miles and miles and you finally find a piece of land that looked like a place that you wanted to settle, you would put a stake in the ground. And you'd put that stake in the ground and you would say, this is my land. This is where I live. And you can't be here because this is now my land. This is where I'm building my homestead. This is where I'm anchored. And friends, in the same way, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you put your stake in the ground. You put your stake in the ground. Because the very message of Jesus Christ was follow me, and in order to do that, you need to repent, he said. Jesus said when he initiated his ministry in Mark 1, you need to repent and move towards the kingdom of God. You're going to repent of the world. You're going to move from darkness into light. That was the message of Jesus Christ. And so when you placed your faith in him, you said, this is where I'm living now. I'm no longer living in the world. I'm no longer living in the dark. I'm no longer living by the priorities of, of the evil one and of Satan, but rather I'm living by the priorities of God, and this is where I'm staking my ground. And this is where I live. I'm here in the kingdom of God because I know here in this kingdom of God is where life is found, where goodness is found, where beauty is found, where flourishing is found, and this is where I'm staking my life, and this is where I'm going to live. This is the commitment that every one of us has made when we gave our life to Jesus Christ to say, this is where I'm living. Right now, I'm living within the kingdom of God. That's a commitment that, that we have made together. And of course, we know from our studies of, of God's word, and especially as we worked our way through Leviticus, if we would ask ourselves, what does this territory look like? What does my homestead look like? It's defined by one word, and that word is holiness, right? It's holiness. God said, here's my kingdom, and as my children, you are a holy nation. And I am calling you to be holy as I am holy. Live according to my right ways. Stay away from sin. Have nothing to do with it. And live according to my ways and to my purposes. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. He says, uh, 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 1, 14 and 15 says, As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. And so that's the boundaries. That's the boundaries that I live within. The kingdom of God, that's where I live now. Jesus said to us, he said, you want life? Remain in me. Right? That's pretty simple. Remain in me. Abide with me. Stay with me. And so if we're tempted to step outside of this territory, if we're tempted to to follow a doubt and go into the ways of the world, we say, no, that's not me, right? That's not me. That, that's not me at all because my territory is here. I'm remaining and living in Jesus. And so you're welcome to go that way, but I'm not going there. I'm not stepping across the bounds. I mean, just, and, and we don't have to be jerks about it, right? Too many Christians are jerks about it, pointing fingers at the dark, and hollering at people, but I believe instead we live within this kingdom of God 
with a great amount of grace and a great amount of truth and a great amount of goodness and a great amount of peace in a way that we live within this kingdom of God should demonstrate to the world that this is a sweet place to live. You should stake your ground here in the kingdom of God. And we stand here as salt, seasoning the world. That's our posture, not to condemn the world. We stand here as light, showing the world the goodness of God, showing them how God's kingdom brings life and goodness to all that we are. That's who we are. We stake our ground within the kingdom of God now. And so when I face those doubts, I am not tempted to move out because I know exactly where I'm living and exactly what I'm committed to and I believe that this is the best place for life to be found and this is where I'm living. So why in the world would I want to go there? It's not a temptation. I don't because I believe this. That's my shield of faith. I read an article this week about a a farmer in Belgium, and maybe you saw this uh, as well. This farmer in Belgium was kind of plowing his field, and he was trying to get everything ready for his field, and got a little angry because there was a stone in his way. It was a big old stone. And so the farmer there in Belgium, he decided, I'm just going to move the stone, right? Get it out of my field. And so he moved it about seven yards out of his field. And there, there it sat, and he did his field, and he thought everything was good. Only unbeknownst to him, this was a stone that had been sitting in that place for 200 years because it's a border marker between France and Belgium. And so not, so not only did he enlarge his own field, he enlarged the whole country of Belgium in the process, and he also decreased the territory of France in the process. Now everybody was pretty good about it because they realized it was a mistake, but I bring this up to you because I believe in our world today that there are people around you. There are voices within the church. There are bloggers. There are Christian speakers. There are many out there who are simply taking the boundary markers that God has established of what is holy and they're moving them. They're moving them as they deal with this tension, right? Because we got a world who is saying, this is where you got to live. This is where you got to go. And the easiest way to deal with that tension, rather than saying, well, that's outside of the bounds of what God says holy, is you know what? Well, maybe they're right, and let's move the boundary marker a little bit. This is now in. And then they move the boundary marker a little bit more and say, you know what, church? This is in. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what? This is all in. And pretty soon what we realize is that there is no more boundary and what, what God defined as holy and what God defined as his kingdom, you can't even distinguish it anymore because they have moved the marker so far out of the bounds that it's indistinguishable anymore. And you can't see it. And so I'm saying watch out for them. Watch out for them because there are many voices and many people in the life of the church are buying into them and following them. They're all around, they're big, they're vocal, and they're leading people astray. In the words of Jesus, they would be like wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. They're saying good things. It sounds right, 
But ultimately, because they keep moving the bounds and they move the bounds and they move the bounds, it's going to be destructive. And it's not going to be good for you. And Peter tells us the same thing. He says that, listen to these words. He's, he warns Timothy, the, uh, Timothy, the young guy who's coming up behind him, who he's trying to coach in the faith. And he says, Timothy, there's going to come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They will not put up with the ancient words of God. Why? Because to suit their own desires, listen to this, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And many of us can be there today. My itching ears want to hear something different than this is what is holy, than this is what is acceptable because I have friends, I have co-workers, I have neighbors, I have family members who are living outside of these bounds. And come on, it's not fair. Come on, it's not loving. Come on, my itching ears want to hear something different. And so here comes a church or a Christian speaker, and oh yeah, they're saying it, so I'm going to go there. But where did they just lead you? Way out of the bounds of what is God's truth and what is God's kingdom. And so we got to be cautious. When these doubts start flying around, that we don't buy into them but that we always bring ourselves back to the very truth, the word of God, which doesn't change. It is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. This is the word of God. And so, friends, we, we remember the kingdom that we are a part of now, but I also think we remember when we face these doubts of where we are headed later. We remember where we are headed later when these doubts start swirling around and people are saying, this is where you need to go. This is, you can't stand there. You gotta step out, you gotta move along. We remember where we're headed later. It makes it made me think, this, this phrase makes me think of when Amy and I were on vacation in Arizona. One of the things that we like to do together is to hike. And so we will find a lot of places to hike. And so this is a picture of uh, one of the places that we chose to hike. It was to Seven Falls. And so we got on the shuttle bus at the state park with some other hikers. And, you know, we're having the, the hiker camaraderie conversation about where are you from? What are you doing? What's, you know, are you having a good day? Oh, it's hot today. I hope you make it. You know, blah, 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 blah. All that kind of stuff. And we got off the bus uh, to, to hike. And they went off in this direction towards the cactuses, we went off this direction towards the rocks. And the reason is simple. We were going down two different trails. You can see that we went to Seven Falls, which was a four-mile trail there and a four-mile trail back. They, however, only went on the half-mile trail. Just, I'm not bragging, but they went on a half-mile trail. They were heading off to the canyon somewhere and then coming back, right? So we're, we get off, we're both hikers, we're both moving along, but they are going in a completely different direction than I am. Why are they not on the same trail that Amy and I are on? Because we're heading to a different, different destination. I'm going to Seven Falls. They're going to the canyon. So we're not on the same trail. And we need to recognize that as we live in this world today, that we live in this world, we live in this culture today with a whole host of people who are not on the same trail that we are. Because the trail that we are on, heading 
later, we know we're heading towards the kingdom of God. We know that one day we're going to meet Jesus Christ. We know one day that we need to be found in righteousness and to be blameless and holy as he is holy, just as he purchased for us on the cross to make us into his image. That's where we're headed as God's people, living in God's kingdom. That's why we live in God's kingdom, because we know that it's not fully realized yet, but it will be one day, and that's where I'm headed, and that's the trail that I'm on. But a lot of the culture is not on that trail. Most of the culture is not on that trail. Many, for the first time in history, the percentage of those who claim a Christian identity has fall, fallen way below 50%. In the last decade alone, 12% of those who professed they were Christian have now stopped professing they are Christian. And in the last decade, 17% more now claim themselves to be nuns. I don't believe in anything. And so we're here in the kingdom of God, and I'm going to listen to a nun who is heading nowhere to tell me what I have to do and how I have to live in this world. Is that what I'm going to do? Because a nun is not heading in the same path I am. I'm heading towards the kingdom of God. An atheist is not heading on the same trail that I'm heading on. A humanist is not heading on the same trail that I'm heading on. A materialist is not heading on the same trail that I'm heading on, and our culture is full of people who are on that trail. And yet we as Christians get discomfort because they're telling us where we need to walk, how we need to walk, how we need to engage, how we need to live. We're like, oh yeah, I better do it. They're not going where we're going. We're going a completely different place. And so we need to follow the will and ways and purposes of God. We need to remember where we are headed later. Because our culture, our culture will tell us that no-fault divorce is a good thing because it gives us freedom and it frees us up from commitment. But we know that God established marriage to be between a man and a woman. Our culture is, is going to tell us that abortion is a good thing because it sets people free again and we don't have to worry about that. That's the way we should live. But we know that God said every life is precious. Our culture is going to tell us that we can do away a with, uh, with the metric of like binary genders. But we know that God established male and female to be the foundation of all relationships and to organize that. The world can tell us that black lives matter. Now, I'm not saying they don't, so don't hear, don't, so you're, so you're, I'm not saying that. The, the political organization of black lives matter, look at what they're about on the, form on their, their statement is we want to do away with the nuclear family. Now they just took it down. They just took that down, but that's one of their platforms. We want to do away with the nuclear family. Why? Because the nuclear family is where flourishing happens. When there's a husband and a wife and children engaged in that relationship, as God says, that's where life flourishes. So why do we got to take that down? Because it's oppressive. If it's working and it's an oppressive, we've got to tear it down instead of build it up. That's, that's our culture. Our culture is moving in that way. Whatever God brings order and brings life to, the enemy working through the culture 
is about destroying and is about taking down. Our world can say, build up the biggest bank accounts you can have. Get the largest retirement that you can have. And we know that our God says, be generous with what you have. Be generous with what you have. And so I'm just saying, we need to listen as we're standing here and we're wrestling with doubts in the culture saying, here's how you got to live. This is what you got to do. This is the right way to go. Realize they are not on the same path that you are. And I say, I'm standing here because you're going in a completely different direction than me. And I'm good with it. I'm good with it. And we need to recognize this, that Jesus said these words, if you follow me, the world will hate you. How about that? The world will hate you. Is that not a tough pill to swallow? The world will hate you. We don't like to be hated, do we? I think there are many of us who maybe are in the older generation who can't understand that because we were at a time where, where cultural Christianity was in and everybody loved going to church and church was the center of life. It's not that way anymore, so we don't understand. How can it be that people don't like us anymore? And we have a younger generation that just wants to be loved and just be liked and just be at peace with everybody and just all of us get along. And we just serve this loving Jesus. And, and that's who he is. But Jesus said, if you follow me, if you follow me, you're going to be hated. Why? Because he's calling people from darkness into light. Paul said, inherently, the gospel is offensive because the gospel never leaves you alone. You have to change. And what do you change? You change into the image of Jesus Christ. You have to repent. Go back and look at Mark 1. When Jesus comes into the world, he doesn't come on the scene and say, my, my whole thing is to bring love. Love everybody. Just love, love, love. He didn't say that. He said, my mission is I'm bringing the kingdom of God and you are called to repent and come into the kingdom of God. And how do you do it? It's through me. And I'm open to everybody, but you got to come in through me. Think about when Jesus met the woman caught in adultery. She was sinning. Did Jesus look at her and say, okay, there's nobody around you anymore, woman. So go and live your own truth. Just, just go. Just go and live your own truth however you want to live. He didn't say that. He said, I'm the truth. Go and sin no more. That's offensive. What are you telling me I sin? If I, want to, if I want to sleep with man after man after man, that's my truth and I'll go do it. Jesus says, no. In the kingdom of God, you follow my ways. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no one comes into the kingdom. No one comes to the Father except through me. The gospel is offensive and we have to recognize that that yes the world is going to be moving on the culture is going to be going in different ways the culture is going to be coming at us as christians telling us lots of different things and we can maybe begin to doubt that we should go with the culture but what we see in the scriptures is that we put up the shield of faith and we remember what kingdom we are a part of and we remember what kingdom we will be a part of later and we stand 
there, knowing that this is the place that gives life. I don't want anything to do with stepping into the darkness because this is where I want to live. This is where I want to make my home. And I want to tell you what, world, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For I believe that is the salvation of everyone who believes. And that's where I'm staking my ground. And that's where I'm going to live. And so may we all be found in that place. Thank you, God. God, we thank you for your love. And we thank you. You are a loving God who did want us all to not perish, but to be able to come and live within your kingdom. And so we thank you for Jesus Christ who calls us into that kingdom. And yet, God, it is a kingdom that requires us to change. It is a kingdom that requires us to be different. It's a kingdom that requires us to look different than the world. And God, sometimes that is hard. It is so hard because we don't want to be left out. We don't want to be seen as unloving. We don't want to be seen as intolerant. And so God, we pray that you would equip us with your spirit so that we can best engage this world as your ambassador, living here in this world, representing you the best that we can as we stake our life in this territory, knowing that this is where life is found. And God, we thank you for that life. Today, we could just go around this room and just say, yeah, I changed. Because I found, because I'm in this life here now, God has blessed me. God has brought his riches into my life. And God, may we never let go of that. May we hold on to that at all times. May we put that, that faith up when we face this world that is coming as an onslaught to us. And at the end of the day, God, we want to be found not on the right side of history, but because Jesus is coming again, we want to be found on the right side of Jesus Christ. So may we be there today. If we have to adjust our thinking, adjust our habits, adjust our lifestyles so that we come back within the kingdom of God and that we're all your obedient children, will you move in us in that way today? God, help us as a church in this season. And may you give us the faith of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that says, we're sorry. Sorry you want us to do this, but we're going to stand for our God now and forevermore. This is where we stand. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Together, let's stand and declare that it is on God and in his ways and his truth that we are going to build our lives. You stood before.